The disciple who asked, Lord, teach us to pray, felt a need not only for himself, but also for his fellow disciples. We all need to learn from Jesus because we tend to have mistaken ideas about prayer. Some think of prayer as their fire escape or emergency exit used in times of crisis. These people do not pray regularly. Rather, they turn to prayer as a last resort when trouble arises. They go through life with little or no thought for God's will. They suddenly, then suddenly, when it seems necessary, they remember God and rush to their emergency exit called prayer, where God must hear and rescue them. Other people make a habit of prayer. To them, it matters little how they live as long as they mumble off prayers before bedtime. Prayer becomes a spiritual good luck charm. Something like a lucky bracelet or a necklace, or in some countries, a rabbit's foot. They think that a few prayer rituals keep good fortune on their side. It just seems to be the safe thing to do. Some believers treat prayer like a visit to a wealthy relative or a bank machine that dispenses money. Just push the right button with God and he gives you exactly what you want. Happiness, health, vacations, money, friends, prosperity, and more. Some religious leaders urge you to write your own ticket with God which means get your own way with God, they boldly claim, if you are not in good health and if you are not getting richer and richer, then it is proof that you do not know how to pray. 844-44 What a totally different attitude we find in Jesus. His prayer says, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, I don't want to get my own way. I want your way, Father. I don't want to write my own ticket. I'll take whatever ticket you write for me, Father. Jesus was born into a poor family and remained poor all of his earthly life. His disciples shared this lowly standard of living. Notice this encounter between a scribe and Jesus. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Toward the end of Jesus' ministry, he was virtually friendless and penniless, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Had Jesus missed something about praying effectively? Did Jesus need to take today's health and happiness plan? Did Jesus need our health and wealth plan? What would such people say about the apostles? Jesus gave them the power to heal people and to raise the dead. Had they chosen to, they could have used such power to become wealthy. Yet Peter, after three years of miraculous ministry with Jesus, was no richer. The same was true for the other apostles. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Paul described himself as the scum of the world and poor, having nothing. He and his co-workers had health problems. Some today would say, Peter and Paul, your troubles are evidence of a lack of faith. We must show you how to be in contact with the power, how to plug into God's formula for financial and social success. Perhaps this is what it meant is meant by... 1 Timothy 6.5, that some are deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, which is it? Is prayer a matter of pushing the right buttons for God to hand over the cash or the health or the social success? Or is prayer an act of submission whereby you surrender to God's will and say, not as I will, but as you will? Hard lessons to swallow, but true. 
Great power and high position often lead to pride and a feeling of being exceptional. Laws apply to others, but not to the elite. Jesus enjoyed the highest position and the greatest power, yet his attitude was one of obedience to God in everything. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. When one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus replied with a simple prayer. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This was similar to the model prayer he already had taught them in the Sermon on the Mount. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is the Father. We are the children. He is in heaven. We are on earth. His name should be hallowed, treated with the utmost respect as holy, since God is absolutely supreme. Our first priority in prayer is for his kingdom, meaning his reign over us. Our first concern is for his will to be obeyed just as fully as it is in heaven. In these opening phrases, God emphasized that true prayer is about the Father's will, not ours. As an obedient son, Jesus set the example. Jesus was struggling with thoughts of what he would suffer on the cross. He said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. We too ask, shall I seek what would selfishly benefit me? If we follow in Jesus' steps, the answer must be, no, I will seek the things that let God glorify himself through my life or my death. Indeed, we can be sure that ill-motivated prayers will fail, as James explains. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In his second prayer, he said, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. In each of these prayers, we see the attitude of total surrender to God's will. Notice the reason. Notice the reason that scripture gives for Jesus' success. In the days of his flesh, 
Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus was in harmony with God's will. Having lived this principle of prayer, Jesus also applied it to us. Here is how we will be effective in prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Prayer's promises are to those who honor God's will. The promise of answered prayer is given to those who honor God's will. They ask responsibly because they seek to please him. The promise is not made to those who are continually selfish, irresponsible, and disobedient. John showed us the attitude in prayer that he learned from Jesus. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I got a web. That's the end of that section. See the contradictory, like don't ask for stuff, but then later saying what we ask for will be granted. That's always a back and forth thing when you hear pastors. Pray to Jesus, don't be selfish, surrender your life to Jesus. But if you pray for money, you'll get money. If you pray to Jesus, I'm all for praying to Jesus. to read this and I was told surrender the will I think it's like what Jesus does right before he goes and gets killed you can ask for what you want as long as you're okay with not getting it the surrendering that's what I do say what I want but not like in a bratty way in a, but whatever you want kind of thing. She thinks I'm on the phone. I'm on a live radio station. What a live! Yeah, we're talking about Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? Baby Jesus! Yeah, that's what you know about Jesus? Baby Jesus! That's not true, but okay. She goes to a Christian school. She knows lots about Jesus. I feel like I should continue reading. There's something going on right now. The energy is thick, like a thicket, like a depression, but like, but like, but like, um, like a hurried depression like you know what you got to do so you got to do it right now and usually i can get that but about something like awesome but this is like the gotta do it gotta do it right now but it's depression like 
and I'm not depressed. It's not me. It's it's the energy. Like in ch- church today, it was like dampening. Like that. It's not church wasn't dampening. Everybody was dampened. Yeah, she's wrapped herself in a blanket. Abigail, you are okay. You're trying to get my attention, which I understand. But you're not actually stuck. Mm, okay. We're about to go to bed. We're allowed jumping around until bed. Yeah. I did it. I knew you could. Okay. I'm going to read one more. I'm just feeling like there's something to find. Or just something to go through as we phase into that fourth dimension. Jesus likened our prayers to requests from children to their fathers. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Take this thought a little further in your own experience. What happens when parents flood their children with too many gifts at once? Some parents have never had enough to do this, but those who are wealthy know the problem well. Too often, with each successive gift, the child becomes less responsive. A gift that would normally be appreciated and enjoyed gets only a glance. Then it is tossed aside in the hassle to see the next present. Eventually, such children become spoiled. They feel that the world revolves around their wishes, that all others are there for their gratification. If they don't get their way, they react rudely. Some turn into little tyrants. Most parents see the problem of overindulgence and know the solution. Encourage gratitude and enjoyment by spreading out the giving. Give in different ways and on different occasions. Let the child invest himself in some gifts so that he does not take their value for granted. It is not simply that we know to give. We also know how to give wisely, helpfully, constructively, for the healthy development of the child's character. That being so, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give to us? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our tendencies towards selfishness, towards love of money, towards pride and success and acquisition. He knows that some of our ambitions are unwise. While he keeps every promise about prayer, he is not so foolish as to spoil us. He may spread out his gifts for our good. Much of his giving is in secret, just as the urges he urges us to do our good in secret. We may feel that he has not answered, when in fact he has already supplied everything without our knowing it. We ask in faith. We also receive in faith. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That sounds like the law of attraction. Our Father is the only wise God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, as the heavens are higher than the earth. Since God's wisdom is so far greater than ours, we should want his will for us to be accomplished. If Jesus prayed, 
Not as I will, but as you will. How much more should we pray the same? We who have no wisdom at all compared to the Father and the Son. Jesus asked for the cup of suffering to be removed. Yet that loathsome cup was not taken away. Jesus suffered to the full extent. He surrendered gracefully when God's answer became evident. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God's answer, death on a cross, was the answer necessary for saving us and all mankind. Our freedom from sin depended on Jesus taking on himself the terrible punishment for our sins. Thus, when God gives an answer different to our request, we can be sure God has something even better in mind. He has chosen his wisdom over ours, and that always means a better outcome. Paul prayed three times for God to remove his thorn in the flesh, but God did not remove the thorn. Instead, God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God had a better answer, and Paul responded, I am content, exemplified, the surrender of which we speak. I literally have like a hurt hip for no reason, um, which reminds me of Jacob. Um, God popped his hip out because he was constantly doing his own will and not God's. So maybe I did that. Anyways, my hip is like really like arthritis or something. I didn't actually do anything to it. And I do yoga every day. So maybe, I don't know. Anyways, I've just come to terms with it. And it's just part of life now. Every time I sit, I get up, I have to limp away. Every single time, if I'm sitting for more than a couple minutes, I limp away. And I'm a fairly fit person, so it's weird. There's nothing to uh, to really blame it on <laughs> other than the will of the Lord. <laughs> and I asked for it to be removed, but I'm not letting it get me down. I shall just limp then, I guess. Yep. We too can rejoice in whatever God, in whatever answer God gives. He is the creator. We are his creatures. He is the master. We are his servants. He is the father. We are his children. How much better that his will be honored rather than ours. Besides giving due respect to his rightful position, we rejoice in his answers because his love endures forever. He is the source of every good gift. So it says Matthew 7.11. Now, if you're ever reading the Bible, I might have mentioned this before. I, I've especially noticed it with 11s and 22s. Numerology, sacred numbers, but keep an eye. Those passages are always way more nail on the head. And the whole Bible's like great. But like the 11s, especially for me, the 22s, I'm in a real 22 phase right now. And I'm not even remembering my numerology, which I've studied like exactly what 22 means. I just know that any of the doubles means something, and so I should probably look that up, but I'm trying to only learn the Bible right now. Spent many years learning the universe, and now it's time for the Bible, which it all is connected into. But anyways, in true prayer, we either receive what we specifically request, or we, if we 
do not get that, we get something far better. We may not always be able to see immediately how everything will work for good, but of this we can be sure. God's wisdom is always greater, his love always better than ours. That eternal truth is reflected in his answers to our submissive prayers. If we feel that prayer is a matter of us saying, give, and God must give to us, then we have turned the order of the universe upside down. The creature then wretches control from the creator. The thing made manipulates the maker. The student teaches the teacher. The servant orders the master. The child leads his father. In short, man attempts to take the place of God. Rather, we should have faith of job that lets God be God. We honor God as God by firmly trusting his promises about prayer. But that is not where it ends. We continue to let God be God by respecting his right to fulfill those wonderful promises in his own time and in his own way. This simply acknowledges the superiority of his wisdom over ours, even when circumstances seem to turn against us and the very opposite of what we request seems to prevail. We hold fast to the goodness of his purpose and the faithfulness of his promise. As Job said, though he slay me, I hope in him. I will hope in him. Turning the page. Nor are we just grimly enduring. Faith is so sure that God is answering. So sure that God is working all for the best. That there is thankfulness in every development. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How different from the normal tendency to complain. Our trials turn into cause for all joy. Jesus is making us into new creatures with new attitudes. This new person becomes like Jesus and prays new prayers beyond anything imagined before. Jesus prayed for God to forgive those who were killing him, and he insists on us sharing the same forgiving and caring attitudes. Whenever you stand praying, hold on one sec. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Pray then like this. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a big a karma effect thing. That's like straight up karma. If you hold, if you hold like not letting go of other people's debts of karma, then your own debts won't get let go. It's just a cause effect thing. Which makes complete sense if you understand the laws of karma in the universe. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who pr prosecute you. That's uh, 44 right there. That makes so much sense, especially if we want to have a beautiful, loving world. Love everyone. Goes into the law of one, all being one. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. From where do you get the strength for such radical change? By praying about it. But our prayers must be with a willing spirit, ready to be changed by God. Prayer is supposed to help, yet it can become harmful if it lacks submission to God. This is true. If you pray for more God and you're not ready to actually do anything or change, your life will start getting messed up. We talk about the dark night of the soul. That, like, a lot of that can be because you pray to be more of whatever it might be and then god starts to shake up your life to actually make that happen but you're nobody actually like ever wants to really change they want like they want that magic bullet um solution where just bam they wake up a perfectly great person but the thing is is that stuff needs to be stirred up like like today i've just was reminded that like I'm still kind of antisocial even though I'm pleasant when people talk to me I still don't know how to go and start a conversation myself and it was like I don't know it was just weird to see that even though I'm old <laughs> or realize that you know but this is the kind of thing that that can get stirred up silly 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 stupid ego pride things and not to mention life things like if you do things and you don't want to let it go He'll make it, like, really suck until you let it go. But it's all for your own good, and once you do surrender, you feel way more free. Anyways, I'm being pushed to shut up and talk. Ah, ready to be changed by God. Prayer is supposed to help, yet it can become harmful if it lacks submission to God. When religious leaders used prayer as a cover to keep sinning, Jesus gave this warning. Beware of the scribes who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will will receive the greater condemnation when rebellion lasts prayer is an insult to god that angers him and blocks prayer if you are not living in active submission to god your first step is your first step is to come back to god in humble surrender then and only then can you your prayers be acceptable to god when you submit to god through the blood of his son God makes you righteous. These are the righteous who become powerful in prayer. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is worldbibleschool.org, by the way. Worldbibleschool.org. Worldbibleschool.org. All frames. That was the end of that mini lesson. It just is so good and so free. That's the whole end of that was that prayer should be surrendered to. I'm just being really like pressed to just, it's just, I can't even explain it. Like when I'm reading it myself, this always happening when I was reading that other book. I just get like lit on fire. Like I can't, my brain can't even focus. I'm like being screamed at to read it to everyone. I don't really have everyone. And I literally, when I read it out loud on this thing, the fire stops and it's like a comfort and I'm actually able to hear 
what I'm reading when I was reading it alone I couldn't hear it there was like too much screaming and that's just a way to metaphorically explain it it's um, indescribable Ooh, it's 11 you have to feel it to know it it's it's pretty good though like you really 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 it's powerful powerful stuff when you start getting like in tune to the flow of the universe and I've studied it all and maybe it's the time because we're like getting deeper into that awakening but the Bible is just I'm, I'm glad I studied the universe first you should honestly study the universe first because then you just can really see how real the Bible is um, and what they meant but I'm gonna get back to this because I explained it better than me this is deep thought and feeling. In an earlier discussion, we saw that Jesus was serious about prayer. This lesson's subject may seem similar, but, ref, ref, but refers to another distinct quality in the prayers of Jesus. Under the title serious, we noted the time and attention which Jesus gave to prayer, even giving up needs of his body in order to be healthy in prayer. Under this title, sincere, we see the thoughts and feelings which Jesus invested in his prayers. Now, the reason why I started reading originally is because praying is not as easy as you think. And we all just fall down to whining. Like, it's really hard to just. And that's why he gave us the Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil because you're just the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen when you break that down that really checks all the boxes which it was fascinating to break that all down what should i do now no no i shouldn't have somebody else do it huh. uh and feelings which jesus invested in his prayers some people see little room for emotion in their religion Perhaps emotion reminds them of the excess of false showy religions. Some cultures view men as strong and manly when they hide their emotions, but the religion of the Bible is hardly unemotional. Reach such classics as the Psalms, the Song of Solomon, Lamentations and Revelations. More than that, look at the life of Jesus. Let's do it then. Our Father who is in heaven, that's God hallowed be thy name is to bring the powerful revelation the sacredness of his name into close complete it's thank god for who he is in his abundant faithfulness thy kingdom come thy will be done so that means your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so pray for God's rule and reign to become a reality. The entire goal of all this is the fourth dimension down here. Heaven here is what they originally tried and it didn't work. And this whole reason God needs to become more in our soul. It's like clearing out the chakras, making more room for God, opening up more magic. So that will be done on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven that's like a powerful thing right there on earth so that means we're asking for earth to be like heaven and then give us this day our daily bread so that right there is asking for abundance but not excess that's saying like give us what we need today 
Pray for God's daily provision in your life. Because giving you too many things goes back to what they said before, is you'll get spoiled. And it's true. I've seen it out of kids. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Or forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who, who are, as we've forgiven our debtors. Which means forgive us our wrongs as we have forgiven those who have wronged us. So confess your sins to the Lord and forgive people who have wronged you. And that's that karmic thing right there. That's clearing the karmic balance. So that's important. And then lead us not into temptation. That one's pretty self-explanatory. So that's just asking God to, to guide you on the path of righteousness and away from the evil one. Actually, that goes more into so lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Pray for God's protection against any of the strategies of Satan, which is constant. They say over and over again, it's his world. And once you really open your eyes, it is his world. Like everywhere, everywhere. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So for yours is the kingdom and power and glory. So you are like the ultimate being forever and ever. Like that's just solidifying kind of the opening statement. Hallowed be thy name. Because in our human egos, pride, we need to just constantly be flooded and reminded of the power of God because it is so easy for us just to drop it and forget and just not even acknowledge that he is the overpowerful Lord. That's like why like atheists become atheists because like their tiny little human brains can't comprehend how a God would work and they try to put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. God is everything, so he's not going to go in a box. Although, like, a tiny, like, he is the box. Amen. This is not the time for philosophizing. This is the time to wake up. This is it. This is, like, thick, thick swamp mud of earthly energy to get through and we need god right now it's it's thick and i know some people have been freaking out forever but this is this is kind of like the going through the plastic to the next dimension is happening now and it's all happening in tiny vibrational phrase phases but this is definitely a step right now like a big one like there's been lots of steps the like little but now it's kind of an earthquake step and nothing's even really happening which makes it weirder because there's nothing to even pinpoint on but that's why just pray to make it to the other side pray to be on the good side because the channeler bashard says we're not all going to end up on the same space which makes me sad if my kids end up in a different one like like i don't know those ones always freak people out but like your vibration raises but like what then the, like the multiverse there's other versions of you that didn't and like you just section off to the higher vibrational points i don't know but then i've heard other people say that like no you just start circling around higher vibrational things like silly example but like discovering that pralance and cream haagen existed when i didn't even know it existed before and it's like the most tastiest thing in the world is like is this because my vibration increased like things just open up to you that weren't even a thing before like you're just starting to because think about how many billions and trillions of things are in the world and why like bad people stay bad like because you're circling that drain of low 
vibration versus high vibration. Most makes you wonder though how do rich people end up high vibrational? Or maybe they're not. I don't know. I'm not not rich, but who knows? Who knows? But I definitely want to be high vibrational. The goal should be for everyone to be high vibrational. And the whole world is shifting to a high vibration where things will be happening faster. Faster and faster and faster. But it can really shake you if you're not, if you're low vibrational. And then, oh, it wouldn't get scary to be low vibrational right now because I think you just get shaken off. Who knows? Like, this is Revelations right now. It's just. You know, it's never the Hollywood movie everyone thinks it's going to be. On many occasions, Jesus was deeply moved by suffering and confusion. A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and became because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The New Testament Greek word for compassion is sympathico, like its English counterpart, sympathy and compassion. It literally means to suffer with another. Consider other examples of Jesus's range of emotions. Mary was grieved over the death of her brother Lazarus. Ah, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus wept. 1133. That's, that's, that's some serious numerology right there. Jesus's enemies were callous toward a needy person. He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand he stretched it out and his hand was restored that was a separate situation i just watched that scene myself actually in uh what's it called um the oh man it's um the chosen haha the chosen that show that's like crowdfunded it's super awesome they're trying to think the game of thrones of jesus oh man it's so good and even my i can even got my husband watching it and he was like whoa like that guy's like you actually like start to think he's jesus i don't even know how he can make those looks those looks of compassion like when he gives the people like hugs like oh hug jesus you could just feel it and i have to like remind myself that guy's not jesus i saw him like briefly in an interview once but i turned it off because i didn't want to get ruined but he seemed like a suave like like a Spanish person, like, you know, like the schmoozy type, just for a second. He might not actually be, but I got the feeling he might be, so I had to turn it off because I didn't want him to be ruined. Because when he's Jesus, he's like, wow, like you have to like, he seems like he's Jesus. And the show's just so good. Most of it, the second last episode, a little too much fighting with the apostle people. It's, it's really good, though. Like, I recommend it. It's free. You get an app on your smart TV or your phone and just cast it to your TV. The first season was on, um, I got pure flicks now because I don't know. Netflix is filled with indoctrination. All things are, we have prime, everything is. They're all trying to, trying to get you. It's impossible to find things that aren't trying to brainwash you for evil. It's serious. Like, it's funny because all those like Christian people were all like, Oh, think of the children like and we're all like oh you're lame and like we think because i was one like you know think they're the bad ones 
<laughs> it's like, oh my god, they were right. Well, whatever. That's besides the point. 9.22. Perfect time to end this. So, I kind of just didn't finish the section I was reading, but I feel like uh, my point was made. I had no point. I was just told to read, and I did. And uh, I gotta get my kids to bed. So, have a good night. Read a Bible.